0: Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow, is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to the Fire Time Podcast. I am excited to be here today, and I can't wait to dive into this week's episode. Now, for those of you that have been tracking episode by episode of season three so far, you know that we're going through the seven steps of the retail sales process. So in our first episode of season three, we outlined all seven steps in one kind of big summary. And after that, we've been going step by step by step through. So... As we talked about a few episodes back, step one in the sales process is greeting, where we're trying to really build some basic rapport with the customer and understand just some of the basics that are honestly really simple, but just aren't done in the greeting process. Step two is that we're going to understand the customer's problem. That was an amazing episode that we did a couple weeks back with Deb Hanig, where we go through in all kinds of detail the ways that you can connect with a customer and spend the time that you need understanding their problem so that then you can move on to step three. Now, step three was last week, which was all about advising a solution. We had a conversation with Robert Schnell that basically centered on the fact that once we understand a customer's problem, we gotta make sure that when we advise a solution, we only talk about solutions that are specific and contextual to their problem. The idea basically being that I don't care about your solutions if they don't apply to my problem. But if you resonate and understand my problem, all of a sudden I pay a lot of attention when you give me solutions to it. And all of that brings us forward to today, where step four of our sales process is make a plan. And I've said this before, but anytime I teach through this content, I have to give props to StoryBrand for the inspiration behind this step. StoryBrand's a marketing company, I've referenced quite a bit in this podcast, and last season we actually had Dr. JJ Peterson on to talk about what their framework is. Now it's a marketing framework, not exactly a sales framework, but when I first heard about this a number of years ago listening to their podcast, they talked about how in marketing it's so important to make a plan for your customers, and they give an analogy that's really good. The analogy is that when you're marketing to someone... And they're not familiar with their product. If you just come in and ask them to buy right away. It'd be like your customer standing on the edge of a river. And they're terrified to jump in. Now when you just go buy, buy, buy. You're asking them to jump in and just start swimming. They don't feel confident that they can do it. But when you make a plan for them with your marketing. And you say well first you do this. And then you do this. And then you do this. It's like putting rocks in the river. You're not asking them to step all the way across. But you're just putting a rock a little bit in front of them. And saying well first you step here. And then you put another rock in front of them and you say, now you go here. And then you put another rock in front of them, you say, now you go here. And you know what? makes it a lot easier to cross that river. So we want to take this marketing mentality and put that in as part of our sales process. And that's what today's episode is all about. I'm going to caution you. This is going to sound overly simple. But I'm telling you, if you can make a plan for your customers, it is going to radically increase the close rates that you have because it gives you laser clarity on the next steps to take with them. As I thought a lot about who best to help talk about this content, it was a no-brainer. I had to talk to Bradley Hartman. And so I know, based on the feedback that I got from his episode last season, that you guys have been wanting to hear more from Bradley, and I'm really excited to have him back on the podcast. Now, we're going to talk in detail about why making a clear plan for your customers is so important and why it actually gives you power and credibility to do that. But I also was able to push Bradley on some other tactics that he has in regards to being clear with customers. And I know that you're going to get a ton of value out of it. So with all that in mind, after this is over, I'm going to jump back on and talk a little bit more in detail about some things to be thinking about while making a plan. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Bradley Hartman. Joining me from Flower Mound, Texas is the president of the Behind Your Back Sales Company. I'm joined by a return guest to the show, Bradley Hartman. How you doing, Bradley?
1: I'm wonderful. It's great to be here. I don't know what uh, I did to earn a second trip on the pod, but I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. You know, I got I to gotta ask before we get going. So Flower Mound, Texas, that's actually a name that, that people are proud of?
1: It is. Uh, <laughs> and there's an actual mound. It is probably not quite as impressive as it sounds, really. But yeah, all my buddies from back home in Chicago thought uh, the fact that I was moving to Flower Mound was quite <laughs> hilarious. But uh, we're happy here.
0: Nice. It's a great place to live. Well, so Bradley, you've been on this podcast before. And actually, before season three started, we aired a bonus episode that I did with you a number of months ago on your podcast, the Behind Your Back podcast, that was a conversation about leadership styles through the NBA. And it got a really good response, and people wanted to hear more from you. So, you know, I'm excited to have you back on the podcast.
1: That's awesome. Well, and we're going to have to schedule that again with our friend Josh Johnson because a whole new NBA season. We're going to have to make that an annual event.
0: All right. Now, Bradley, one of the things that's resonated with me as I've listened to your content and and kind of just watched your journey is you have so much clarity as you talk to customers when asking for what you want, when establishing next steps. And the heart of this episode is about step four of our retail sales process, which is make a plan. And at its core, the idea of making a plan has to do with the clarity of saying, here's what's going to be next, here's what's going to be next, and here's what's going to be after that. Why have you found it so important to determine a next step whenever you're selling?
1: Well, I think the first part is the reality that all of us have so much going on. And it's just, it's so normal to recognize that as adults and as kids, we all have ADD. There's so much going on right now. It's so easy to be distracted and Case in point, Tim, when we are done here with this conversation, very quickly, probably within 30 seconds or a minute, you're going to move on, you're going to forget all about me, and you're going to go on with the rest of your life. Why? Because you're busy. So I think the first part is that recognition that if we're not being really clear and we're leaving any part of our message open to confusion or they're not focused, it's real easy for us to accidentally lose that prospect on the way in our path. The second part is ultimately sales is about commitments and it's this commitment to meet again or the commitment to meet the owner of a business or the commitment to review a proposal and ultimately, right, a commitment to buy. But as humans, sometimes it's unnatural and we do not feel comfortable directly asking for the commitment that we want.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that that is natural to be afraid of that because when you ask for the next steps, you are asking them to make micro commitments. They may not be the big mm-hmm. one to buy, but those micro commitments do bring with it the possibility of rejection. Now, I'll go out on a limb and say it though, that most salespeople don't establish next steps. They you know, assume that the client understands what's going to happen next. But why is that assumption so off base?
1: I think the biggest part of this comes down to this idea of kind of the curse of knowledge is that we are so close to everything we do. And listening to your messaging and listening to your podcast i know you you talk about this every single episode you know all the details and all the specifications and all these things because you're so close to it that we make an assumption that a certain percentage of what we know and oftentimes significantly more than the actual customer knows we assume that they know what we're talking about and uh, and this goes back to confusion that we enter in kind of in the product itself or in the buying decision So it's easy to fool ourselves. And and even last week, I had this conversation. We traded some emails with a prospect, and I sent him some information kind of on our eight-step process. And we are on the call, and he said, so this is great, so how do we even work together? And in that moment, there's two sides. The first side is like, hey, that's a strong buying signal. That's good. The other part, if we're being really honest with ourselves, is I've shared some information with him. I tried to make this really clear whatever it was it didn't resonate in there or how can i understand which which of those two camps this individual is falling into and how can i meet him wherever he is so sometimes too it's really being our own worst critic and really making sure that uh, you know we're not leaving anything open to confusion
0: yeah and i think that you know in your in your prior life where you were a purchasing manager for a national home builder you had people coming to you all the time to sell stuff and you didn't know as much about it as they did. I mean, as a a buyer, didn't it actually help you buy when they said, let's do this next, then this, then this? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you wanted them, especially in that process, uh, sometimes you can get into danger when you are going on and on about a product. In that case, it was my responsibility to know about the product. What I don't know is, what is the normal buying process for other national home builders? Yeah. So you want to uh, you want to make them feel comfortable and safe that hey I, I you know I recognize that you know a lot about this. What you might not know is you don't buy this every day. So let me help you with that process and separating this knowledge about the product versus the process and being respectful and looking for signs that they're looking for help to yeah. learn
0: more about it. And I think too, so if we rewind back to the sales process that we've been teaching, so in a retail showroom environment, customer comes in, you go through the greeting process, you build some rapport. After that, you spend some time digging in to understand their problem. Now that you understand the problem, you advise a solution. So, like you're you are presenting them a solution for their exact problem. So they're engaged with you because they because they're only coming in because they've got this problem. You have shown them that there's a solution, and and I think it's it's almost like medicine when you when you say you know say that you were in the store, Bradley, and I say, okay, Bradley, you know we we understand that this is your situation. We think that this fireplace is going to be an amazing fit to give you X Y Z. Here's what would happen next. Step 1 is we'd write you up a proposal today for what we believe that's going to cost. Step 2 is we'll send someone out to your house at no charge just to verify everything and make sure you don't have any remaining questions, and then finally step 3 we'll get that installed safely for you. It sounds so simple, but I'm just I'm convinced that as a as a buyer that actually helps you out. That gives you clarity that you you didn't know the process, you didn't know the steps, and outlining that is really powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think what you just went through was really smart. The first part of what you did was you reiterated back to the prospect or the customer what they had shared either about their needs or their fears or some of their pain. And as a seller, if you can do that and kind of articulate what they're feeling inside, that is sometimes it's hard for them to you know really define and share with you when you can do that better than they can do themselves. And they're nodding their head saying, yes, yes, Right. And then you move on to that process. Well, now you're on your way to solving this because they're looking at you saying, not only do you understand me, but now you're showing me the path forward.
0: Yeah, there you go. So we're talking about next steps. So obviously you have this great sales conversation. And this is, it doesn't matter whether you're selling B2B to builders to, you know, uh other dealers, if you work for a manufacturer, or if you're selling B 2 C to consumers, I think it's safe to say if you have a great sales conversation, it has to end with making a plan, which is establishing the next steps. And as I've looked at you, what I've been amazed at is I feel like you're always super clear and direct, and that actually makes you really powerful. Whether you intend to be or not, that clarity is like really powerful. We've been talking so far about ending the meeting with this clarity and direction, but you've actually got a method that I picked up at your sales fundamentals workshop, which was last year in Fort Worth, where you talked about how to begin a sales conversation with that same clarity. And you called it the CPRT method. Can you kind of just give us a little insight as to what that is? Yeah. uh, Happy to. Yeah.
1: So we call the CPR time framework. And the idea actually came from, uh, this wasn't it wasn't too long ago, but I remember it where somebody reached out to us and said, hey, we have this pain point. We hired someone else. It didn't work out. Can you jump on a call and, and help us? Here's the pain that we're in. I say, absolutely. I jump on the call. And the first question on the call was, all right, Bradley, you got our attention. Pitch us. <laughs> and I was, and I did a double take. I was like, and what I couldn't say was, what are you talking about? You guys called me. You yeah. have the pain. You went through all this. So it was this 180, and I got off that call, and I don't even know what I did. I stammered through it, and I tried to work to reposition myself. Long story short, I realized we know how important context is in business and in life in general, and I realized I'm not going to go into another call allowing someone else to dictate what is reality, the context. So you start off with the context, and that call, uh, if I had to redo it, I would say, hey, appreciate you guys making time for this. You reached out to me a week and a half ago and you shared with me this information, needs, pain, fears, et cetera. The next one is is purpose. We're jumping on this call for the purpose of, and on these calls for me, whether it's in person or on a conference call, it's really for me to try to really understand through a series of questions if we're a good fit to work together. Then you have the results at the beginning, which sounds like, hey, if this goes well, and we reach this result, the next step would be, hypothetically, within two weeks, we would set up another call with the VP of sales, okay? So I wanna plant that seed early at the very beginning of this call that says, if everything goes according to plan, I want you to know what I'm gonna ask for. If we arrive at that result, here will be the next step, and then the time frame is really, hey, we've scheduled 30 minutes for this call. And when you combine these, here's the current context, here's the purpose of why we're here, Here are the results that we're going to anticipate, and if so, here's the next step, and here's how much time we've had. I've found uh, with audiences, everyone is in so many meetings that start late, run late, there's no clear agenda, and people are just wasting their time or they're ready to put their head through a plate glass window that I've just found the simple framework of, and we call it CPR time, context, purpose, results, and time. And stringing that together, you can start off a meeting with that in you know 25 seconds, and immediately you differentiate yourself as someone who really values time, really, and has their stuff together.
0: Oh, man. Okay. So this, I think this is going to be a great story that fits right in, because you just hit it on the head. Most meetings that people go to are purposeless. They're directionless. They, they suck time, and they could have been taken care of in a half-page memo that could have been sent out, rather than a two-hour meeting. So when you come in like you're talking about, and you say, hey... Before we get started, here's the context of what brought us here today. Now, the purpose of this meeting is X, Y, Z. If things go well, this is going to be the future result that we want to have happen down the road. Lastly, we budgeted 30 minutes of time. How's everybody doing? I mean, it goes back to that makes you sound so powerful and in control. So... Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it it's going to move people in like a tractor beam because they're going to be just drawn to that. So this is kind of a funny story. But, but recently, I was able to officiate a wedding for some friends. And, and separately, I actually also gave a toast at a different wedding. And, you know, what do you always hear when there's an amateur officiating a wedding? Hey, um, glad everybody's here today. My name's Tim, and yeah, I went to, I went to college with, uh, with John. Hey, you know, go OSU Beavers. And so I, I specifically told my wife, I said, I'm not going to introduce myself. I'm not going to thank people for being here until later on. I'm going to have it be totally silent, and the first words out of my mouth are going to be, most people go through life never thinking about the things that are most important. It's days like today when we get to focus in and really take that into account. And like, like I like it, it. It was it was literally it it was a little bit different than CPRT, but the point is it instantly differentiated what I was doing from what everybody else does, which makes you look like you're probably significantly better, more in control, and more powerful than you are.
1: Yeah. Well, and when you think about that control and power, I found this does two things because oftentimes the highest rank or the most powerful person on a call, a VP, a CEO. It could be, you know, a husband or a wife in a certain situation. When you say, hey, do you mind if I just stop you there for one second and kind of set the scene here for everyone? What you're doing there is you're kind of grabbing the reins and taking power, which I can almost feel the tension through the phone. But then what you're doing, you run through this and then you say, does this sound reasonable? Does anyone else have anything to add? You know, I just want to make sure we are uh, thinking about how we're going to use our time the best together. So then, what you're doing at the end, you're giving that power and control back to them. Yes. Uh, so, and that, that's just kind of kind of what I found, and it, it's
0: proved really helpful. That's awesome. Well, so I want to hit you with this, and this might be a little bit out of left field, but I think the reason this tool is such a win, like we've talked about, is because it's super clear and it's super direct. So, in the same way that the CPRT method is helpful at the beginning of the meeting to frame the direction. As the meeting's wrapping up, say it's been a great conversation. What are just some tangible ways that you can start to move into making a plan or establishing next steps as you get to the end of the meeting? Well, the first
1: part is asking them what they think that next step might be. Because I think many of us, if you've been in sales long enough, you've had this where you're kind of taking it slow. You're going step by step. You're trying to be really in tune with what they're saying, what they're not saying, trying to understand the pace that they're at. And then you take a breath and they blurt out, all right, let's light this baby. Uh, can I pay with a credit card? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, uh, yes, you can. You know, and why don't we skip steps two through seven and go right to the end? So sometimes there, that's what I like to do is just say, hey, what do, you, what do you guys think a reasonable step might be? And give them some information. A lot of times they won't really know. And then I like to factor in typically some social proof where I can say, well, hey, we worked with... You know another uh, individual or another company that is similar to you that has a strong reputation, and this has proven to be a method that works. Do you mind if I share this with you? And this idea of introducing permission, kind of at every step of the yeah. way. We say, "Is that okay?" You know, hey, can I? Can you? Will you allow me to walk you through our next couple steps here? Now, every time that they say yes, these are kind of like you know, you said that th- those micro commitments. Um, but again taking a step back. I know a lot of listeners might not have this mapped out. And one of the most powerful metaphors that I learned a couple of years ago that we've really incorporated and share with clients is, is this idea of having a, a front stage and a backstage uh, at like a Broadway show and backstage should be our internal process. Like you're talking about, we have an internal sales process. You freak people out if you start showing them, you know, all the chaos and things that are happening, you know, backstage, you know, when that curtain is closed. But then when we open that curtain, everyone's ready, everyone's in place, and you're going to show them a very simplified, non-confusing, impossible to misunderstand series of steps to walk through. Um, but again, you kind of need both those. Uh, it's it's harder to come up with the front stage, you know, what the customer's seeing when you haven't really mapped out the backstage. So just a process that has a really thoughtful pace to allow people to feel comfortable, in control, and safe as you go through.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you. And now, one of the things that I want to talk about next comes from your Sales Fundamentals Workshop. And in this two-day event, you had one of the most effective sales exercises I've ever seen. And this was practice with live builders. So... You know, to set the stage for the audience, you've got about. Seventy-five people that are in this room, where you're putting on a two-day workshop, and we're—I mean—we're getting taught all kinds of things about intentionality and how to win meetings and and all this stuff of sales. We're learning all this theory. All of a sudden, you open up the doors, and these like five random guys walk into the front of the stage, and they start introducing themselves as, "Hey, I'm so and so, the VP of something at Toll Brothers, and I'm this guy who's a custom home builder out of Chicago." And this—I mean, these are legit builders. Some of them very high ranking that you just flew into this event and you told the groups, okay, you got 20 minutes. Here's your assignment. Go win the meeting. And, and it was so effective because it was, it was real world. It was short notice and, and you videotaped everybody in these meetings. So all that aside, at the end of this, you put all these builders on the stage and they were able to give feedback and also field questions from the audience. And what, what blew my mind is this is, as salespeople, we we hear it, but we don't honestly believe it. And 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 these these builders just confirmed it. There was this one guy that was a VP, I don't remember that he was the VP of, but at Toll Brothers, like huge national builder. And one thing that he said is he talked about this is a direct quote I just wish a salesperson would tell me what they want me to do. Like, that blew my mind. Another one was, I think it was a guy out of Chicago, Nathan, who I had in my group. And he and he talked about just general frustrations with salespeople. And he said, if they can show me what I need to do to solve my problem, i.e. make a plan of the next steps that it's going to take, he said, if, if, if they can show me what I need to do to solve my problem, then I would buy from them. But they said, no one does that. And I think that this goes to you talking about ask for what you want. Yeah. And I think,
1: Not only for for us as salespeople, but also for builders and for anyone, for all humans, confusion is what we're trying to avoid. And when people can help us or communicate with us in a way that is very clear and direct and removes confusion, we are naturally drawn to them a little bit. And when I talk about this too, there's this uh, song by the Lumineers, and I promise you I will not sing it, that will be no good for anyone (laughs) But the quote is that uh, the opposite of love is indifference. 100%. And a yes, of course I want a yes. I would love a yes. That's you know a yes to the next thing, to the next commitment, to the sale. Do I want that? Of course I do. But if I could have my choice between no with a reason or indifference, I'll take no all day. I don't have the time or the energy or attention to go after people who don't want to buy Yet most salespeople operate like, oh, I would love indifference. Put me there in the middle, the warm middle where I don't know whether I'm up or down. I'd rather there because I don't get a no. But then that just means we're wasting a ton of time and losing opportunities. So that's where I always say, just ask for what you want. Make it really clear. And if they say no, most I've I've rarely had people when I say no and I say, hey, can you tell me why you said no? They don't have a good answer. Yeah, You know? They're, they're typically either going to tell you why, or they're going to kind of give you some maybe obfuscation, but at least you can dig into that no, the indifference. That's where you get killed.
0: Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm with you there. And you know, as I thought about it, I, I was just shocked that over and over, the, the common theme that I heard from these builders was when they were talking about normal experiences with salespeople, number one, they, they talked about how if someone can actually solve my problem I will buy from them if they can show me how this solves my problem. And the price was kind of irrelevant because if it solves the pain point, they're going to do it. Now, the price has got to be in the ballpark. But at the end of the day, the their decision to buy was more based on the problem being solved than saving an extra, you know, five cents a stick on, you know, lumber or something. The other thing that blew me away was how... They wanted salespeople to just be direct. Just ask me for what you want because I can't, I got, I'm being pulled in so many different directions. I can't handle the indifference of, well, wait, are we doing business? What's next? I'm not sure. And if that's the case, you wasted everybody's time.
1: Yeah. And my my book Behind Your Back opens up with a quote from Jack Welch where he says that candor is the biggest dirty little secret in business, not only within your team, but also with customers. And when you're candid, you're being direct obviously you need to be thoughtful, but everyone's looking, everyone's too busy. They don't have time to figure out the nuance and the details.
0: Just be direct. Just ask for what you want. I love it. Now thinking about this sales fundamentals workshop, I I was really shocked at how amazing it was. I, I don't say that lightly that, you know, this is, it's a high dollar event. You know, you fly into Fort Worth for two days and, and I came away feeling like if you do any kind of B2B selling, you have to be at this event. I felt like it does work for B2C too, but your focus is so, I mean, it's like a scalpel to selling to builders, to selling to dealers, to selling to distributors. If you do any kind of B2B selling, I was shocked at it. And so I kind of want to put the spotlight on you and ask what inspired you to start putting this event on to begin with? And what was your thought process behind it? We had a couple clients who came to us and said,
1: as we are hiring more and more younger salespeople that are in their early 20s. And then we're also seeing a larger portion of newer salespeople come over from other industries who are in their 40s, who do not have these, what we heard over and over again was the blocking and tackling. So this football analogy about the basics, the fundamentals of selling. And while we were doing half-day workshops and we were doing full-day workshops, uh, we were not doing anything beyond that. And there were a couple couple other two-day sales workshops in our space. But I had customers come to me and say, basically, when we send people, uh, they're not happy. They're not having a good time. They're not engaging. It looks like the same PowerPoint that was presented 10 years ago. And they're just expecting more. Your name came up. Could you do something that has the energy and the impact of a half-day workshop over two days? Well, as you know, Tim, once you go to two days, then once you're flying people in, the logistics and everything goes into it, that we were hesitant to actually make the commitment to it. So long story short, 18 months, we tried to think about, hey, how could we blow the doors off? And you're right, it's not a low dollar event. Again, we're practicing what we preach and we say, listen, we're not for everyone and neither are you. I'm not saying this is for everyone. However, we wanna have something really unique, but also something that goes beyond the two days and goes year round. So you get the 52 weeks of the digital sales training, you get the quarterly book club where we send it to your door. How do we create something that does have more value, and we can tangibly say when so-and-so's is half the price of yours, how do I justify that? That is exactly what I want to hear. And then I go back to either, and we did. We got a lot of immediate no's, but um, you know, we had uh, you know, 65 people, so we sold out last year, and we're going to try to keep it right at that number to keep it really intimate and keep it fun, so, uh, yeah, we're excited about doing it again.
0: Well, and I think, I think that what I loved about it, it was so practical. So it's a high-dollar event, but in this course, you you do teach about a day's worth of theory, but day two is all application. And I feel like as a salesperson you know, they're going to walk in because the average salesperson, you know, Tim Rethlake talks about how a room full of salespeople is like a room full of monkeys. Nearly every act is random, you know, and I feel like after coming into (laughs) your course, a salesperson leaves with an idea of this is how I plan my weeks. This is how I identify my opportunities. This is how I plan my quarters. This is how I set my goals and track whether I'm actually making these sales or not. And you start teaching salespeople about how to build a pipeline of business that takes someone from a prospect into active conversations, into something that you believe is going to close very soon and 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 I felt like especially as a sales leader you can send a team member to this know that they're going to get a ton of training there but then as a leader you're going to be given the playbook to hold them accountable to of their weekly game plans of how to plan their months i was what i was shocked at was how practical it was i felt like of a lot of the webinars and courses and things that i've done I've never seen anything more practical that will immediately impact the bottom line of what a salesperson is doing if they sell in the B2B space.
1: That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. I'm flattered. Uh, the one thing that you kind of said that kind of a leading to that manager, sales leader versus sales rep, the one thing that we heard, we had, I think, six or seven different companies that t- had a either an owner or a VP of sales come with their team. So what we're planning on doing this year is figuring out the details to where you know, if you have probably, it's probably number is going to be four. If you have four people come, basically that uh, business leader is going to come basically at our cost. And the idea is if we can have this team come, not only will there be some bonding time, they'll meet new people, they'll learn independently, but also be able to put their heads together, talk about how it can apply to their own business. And now, not only do you have the leadership, but you also have those reps can all take this back. And we said, listen, if we put ourselves out of business by people coming to this and having it be so practical and helpful that they take it and they implement it, and next year they say, we don't need you, you know what? Somewhere down the line, we're going to figure out a way to work together again. Oh, yeah.
0: And that's our goal. That's awesome, man. And so this year's Sales Fundamentals Workshop is in Fort Worth, Texas, and it's from April 14th to 15th. And I've heard, you have to confirm this, that there's going to be a specialized track for fireplace people with a special guest instructor. Isn't that right? I do not know who leaked this information, but yeah.
1: So we had a, we had a good, we had some really sharp people from uh, the hearth industry that came. Uh, obviously you were one of them and we've just heard more demand from there. And our thought was uh, both uh, with distributors, because we had a handful of distributors come as well, but also uh, folks like yourself, Tim, there's enough talent that came there that we're, we're gonna figure out the logistics to where everyone's gonna get all the same content but we'll be able to break it out with leaders in that who know that space better than I do. And so not only will you get everything that we've included in it, uh, but you're also going to get some really specified knowledge and having someone like you lead it, uh, I think is just kind of a win-win all the way around.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really excited to come down there and I'm honored to get to to be able to share at it. And And I know that the space is super limited, but you are carving out, is it 10 spots for the fireplace industry? What What do you have carved out for fireplace folks specifically? Yeah. We're going to carve out 12 spots. All right. You heard it here first. So 12 spots at the sales fundamentals workshop in 2020, you're going to get to hear Bradley for a day and a half and you're going to get to hear a little bit of me on the fireplace channel specifically. And I mean, this is, it's going to help people move the needle. So in summary, Bradley, you know, it's been awesome having you on the show, but before you go, I want to just ask you, so if you got a salesperson listening to this, that is just trying to think about how, if, if they want to put this in, in practice tomorrow, how can they be more clear in identifying the next steps with a prospect, how, how can they do that? What's one thing that they can start doing?
1: Well, I think it always starts with asking good questions. And we've kind of grouped together a couple different types of questions that we call the NFPOs, which is needs, fears, pain, and then growth opportunities. So asking questions about those, taking good notes on those, And then repeating them back to them, like we kind of talked about there before. And then if you say, hey, here's what you shared with me so far, right? And you can articulate how they feel as well as if not better than they have, now you're on the path. And then we kind of move on to kind of this idea of kind of three Cs, where you literally just ask them directly, do you feel comfortable with this process so far? And the hard part here for salespeople is often just shut your mouth after you say that. Do you feel comfortable with this process so far? And if they say some version of yes, then you can say, is there anything you do not feel confident about? And if they say, no, I feel the process is good. I feel confident. And if we're, at, if we're batting two for two at that point, then you say that then the next commitment to make is this. Do you want to do that? And again, this kind of puts them in this yes or no. And sometimes if you get in that indifference, this wishy-washy area, you are then going to know that I have to go back to my original needs, fears, pain, growth opportunities, and revisit this process to say, okay, if you are indifferent, I lost you somewhere in here. You said you feel comfortable with the process, right? And there's nothing you don't feel confident about. Let's revisit this. What is there? But at that point, you're putting the power in their hands and letting them direct. But oftentimes by just asking them very candidly, they're gonna say yes, and they're gonna say yes to that next commitment. Then you break out the calendar, you lock
0: that up, and you're on your way. I love it, man. That's awesome. And you mentioned before when we were talking off the air that you're actually going to put together a downloadable PDF. If people want this insight, if they want to understand how to make next steps after a sales meeting, if they want to understand the CPRT method that you talked about, where can people go to download that and at the same time get information about the Fireplace channel of the Sales Fundamentals Workshop?
1: So if they go to our website, behindyourbacksales.com backslash, it's fire time. They'll be able to download this directly and also they can find out more information if they want to on the Sales Fundamentals Workshop.
0: I love it, man. Well, it's been awesome having you on board. I got to give a plug for your podcast before we get going. If you want to hear Bradley's sweet and charming ginger voice every week, they need to check out the Behind Your Back podcast. It's available everywhere that podcasts are consumed. Bradley, thanks a ton for coming on board today. We are stoked to have you. Thank you, buddy. It's an honor. Appreciate it. All right. Take it easy. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know that I certainly did. Every time I get a chance to talk business with Bradley Hartman, I walk away better for it. In fact, he was up in Portland not too long ago, and uh, I managed to corner him and take him out to breakfast and get about an hour and a half of free consulting. And all that it cost me was paying for two plates of chicken and waffles. Now, as we reflect back on this, I want to talk about the steps of a plan because this is something that's really critical. And we've actually had a lot of success with it in our company. I don't think I've told this story in the podcast before, so you got to humor me here. But when I first started learning about this concept, I was taking it to my sales team, and it made so much sense that you've got a customer that's buying an unfamiliar product and they don't know the steps to take. So, take for instance, selling a zero clearance fireplace. A customer doesn't necessarily know that there might be framing work, or that there's going to be finish work, or that there's going to be electrical, or gas line, or an inspection. They don't know that an install could be two days. I'm not saying that everything is that complex, but the customer has no idea about any of it. So it's a really good idea to both frame expectations and also clarify the direction and their momentum by breaking it into a plan. If you think about a customer who's buying a zero-clearance fireplace, it might be really good to say... Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I'm so glad that this fireplace is going to be a great fit for you. I'd like to show you the next steps to take in order to make that happen. First, what we'll do is come out to do demo work of your existing fireplace and the tile that's around it. Second, we'll come out to install your new fireplace. And third, we're going to install new tile and finish work all around it so it looks amazing. These steps, even though they sound overly simple... Help a customer make a decision. It's funny, but the way that our brains work is when we get into tense situations, our brains go into fight or flight mode and we start to audibly shut out chaos. That's what's going on in a customer's head when they're thinking about a high dollar purchase, when they're not sure what to do. And as you clearly outline the steps, you will cut through that noise and the customer will take action. So here's the funny story. So, a few years ago, when we were talking about this, I came to my team and I was talking about how important it's going to be for us to start making plans for our customers. And so, in order to practice that, I said, guys, here's what we're going to do we're going to start making three step plans for different scenarios. And I said, Here's situation number one. We got a customer in the showroom and their fireplace is broken. Now, for the sake of this exercise, I don't care whether we're selling them a fireplace or whether we're going to fix it for them. But either way, I need you to create a three-step plan that you can tell to the customer. And if they follow the steps on that plan, then their problem is going to go away. Now, this was a few years ago and we had a very experienced sales team. When I said the three steps in a plan, it was like the deer in the headlights look. People didn't really understand what I was talking about. And I said, well, no, just imagine you're talking to your customer and you say, well, Mr. Smith, if you do this, then this, then this, your fireplace is going to be taken care of. So I called on one of our team members and I said, what's step one in the plan? And he looks at me and he says, build rapport. And I said, okay, it's good that you want to build rapport, but that's not what we're going to tell the customer. You're not going to say to the customer oh, I understand your fireplace is broken. Step one, we're going to build rapport. We're not going to do that. I said, what What would step one be? Another hand shot up, and the answer was overcome objections. And I said, okay, well, yeah, we do want to overcome objections, but again, that's not part of the plan. We're not going to say to the customer, well, step one, I'm going to overcome your objections. What we talked about is, is we said, well, what if, what if we did this for a service call? We said, step one, we'll come out to your house to diagnose anything that's wrong with your fireplace. Step two, We'll order the right parts for it, and step three, we'll come out to get those installed for you. Mr. Smith, if you take these steps, your fireplace is going to be taken care of, and you'll finally be able to use your living room the way that you've wanted to. Now again, it sounds simple, but our team members were overthinking it because they were too close to it. I taught these sales steps in Denver a number of months ago, and we actually spent probably the better part of 25 minutes making a plan. So there's about 20, 25 people in the room. I split them up into groups of two. I specifically put competitors with each other so they had to work together. And I gave each one a scenario. I said, hey, in this case, your customer is a service customer. In this case, it's a contractor building a home. In this case, it's a homeowner doing their own remodel. In this case, it's a homeowner that's buying a gas insert. And what they had to do is they had to come up with a three-step plan for their success and present it to the rest of the group. I know this sounds so simple, but it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, imagine any of us, if we're buying an unfamiliar product and we're not exactly sure what to do, how reassuring it is to have the clarity of someone saying, hey, Tim, I understand that this process can be difficult and it's hard to know what to do next. We've actually helped a lot of customers with the same problem. Here's how you do it. Step one, we do this. Step two, we do this. And step three, we do this. Now, it's killing me not to go any further But I have to wait right here because what's coming up next is exactly what we're going to cover in next week's episode. But for today, be thinking about how do I make a plan for my customers? Now, a couple key points when it comes to making a plan is going to be this. Number one, your plan needs to be really simple, and honestly, it can't be any more than four steps. So even if there's a lot of complexity to your process, you can break it down into four simple steps. I'd prefer three, but you can do four. Now, as you go further and further down the path, it's okay if there's nuance and if there's bullet points within those steps, but you gotta be able to break it down into three or four simple things. Now, this is obvious, but doing business with your company should be one of these steps. I mean, you don't want to give someone a plan that doesn't involve doing business with your company unless you actually don't have the ability to solve their problem. Lastly, your plan should be clear that this leads to solving their problem. Because in reality, what happens so often is customers get blasted with tons and tons of information. They don't know what to do, and they're really unsure. And the longer they stay in that middle ground, the more likely they are not to take action. So when customers are swimming in a world of chaos, and you can be the one to step in and say, first, we're going to do this. Next, we'll do this. Then we'll do this, and if we do those three things, your problem is gonna be solved. You are going to stand out like a lighthouse on a stormy night and draw that customer in because you're the only person that has spoken clearly to their problems, showed them that they can overcome it, and given them the clear steps to get there. Now, before we sign off, I wanna echo again what Bradley talked about with the Sales Fundamentals Workshop. Guys, I paid a lot of money to go to this last year, and I'm telling you, it is worth Every penny, I don't say that lightly. What I was shocked at was how practical it is. I mean, if you have a salesperson in your company that does any kind of work with builders, this will give them and you as the sales leader extremely practical steps they can take that will make a huge difference in their sales as much as if they will stick to the plan that Bradley gives them. Sometimes in these workshops, you get a lot of theory, you have to spend a lot of time translating it into your industry, but the beauty about this is that it is boots on the ground, practical from the source. Now, I'm not going to lie, I was so honored when he asked me to help teach the fireplace track of this course, and it's limited. So if you want to get information on that, go to the website behindyourbacksales.com slash It's fire time, and you can get all the information that you want on the Sales Fundamentals Workshop. If you're on the fence about it, send me an email. I'd love to share with you what I learned last year and what you can expect to learn this year. Now, in addition to that, Bradley and I put together a free PDF that goes through a lot of the content we talked about in this episode, like the CPRT method to win meetings. We talk about making a plan, and it's just got some other amazing information on it that's going to help you in your day-to-day. And you can download that at the same web address, behindyourbacksales.com slash itsfiretime. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. I can't wait to get back with step five of our sales process next week, which is call to action. This guest is amazing, and I know you're going to get a ton of value. So go out this week and be a blessing. I will catch you guys sometime soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. The music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.